are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. Chelsea Glass had her heart stolen by Latin America. She spends half the year running her travel company, giving tours around Guatemala. The other half, she works on the internet to build her business while enjoying her adopted home region. Let's do this. What up? Welcome to the Nomad Me podcast or vlog if you're watching this uh, on YouTube. Today, we've got a special guest, Chelsea Glass. What is up? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I am glad that you're here. We, uh, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. My, uh, my new favorite topic, uh, Central and, and Latin America. Hooray. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, first, I uh, want you to introduce yourself because I don't do a good job of that. So, like, who, where, what, why? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Chelsea Glass. I'm 27 years old. I'm originally from Sacramento, California. I love my hometown. But uh, Latin America stole my heart eight years ago. And so I've kind of been living here on and off. And a little over a year ago, quit my job, started a travel company. And now I basically take people on guided tours throughout Latin America uh, about half of the year. And the other time I'm like doing computer stuff to try and keep my business alive and chilling in Guatemala. <laughs> oh that sounds so fun it's like the actual dream right it's like it is it is not I mean it has its moments and there are times I look at my bank account and want to like shit my pants but for the most part I feel very lucky I feel very lucky Ah, uh, that's awesome well um so like take me back to when you started like what was the catalyst that made you quit everything and do this yeah um well, I had lived in Latin America, well, here in Guatemala for three years, and I worked in tourism at that time. I was really lucky. Like, I met a guy who needed a girl to work his desk, and then later he taught me how to be a guide, and it was not planned. It just kind of happened. So I did that for a while, and then I went back to the States because I thought maybe I had to try and be a real adult. So I did that for four years, and I worked a job, and I studied to get a master's, and I got married, and then subsequently divorced. And I'm really glad I did all of that. But a little over a year ago, I just was like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want any of this life that I've invested time and money in. I don't want it. I want to be my own boss. I want to travel. I want to give other people the gift and the opportunity to travel and open up their eyes. And so now that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> that's really, really cool. So um, when you, like, Okay, so I'm trying to think. When you first started the company and you decided to go back to Guatemala, like what were the steps that you took? Like from the point of view of someone who, you know, potentially would be like, wow, starting a travel company would be so cool. Like what were, you know, I know you had some experience already from your time before. What were those steps? I was so fortunate because I had means in, like, in contact with the guy who gave me my job when I was 19. And so during the years that I lived in California, I would bring people on trips to Guatemala like a few times a year, nothing crazy, but a couple trips to Guatemala and did some in Southern Mexico and in Cuba. So by the time I decided to quit my job, I kind of had a clientele built up and I had a contact, a strong contact in Guatemala and a few other countries. Um, so I just like went to city hall and said, what do I need to do this business? And they didn't really know because it's not a very conventional business, but I eventually was able to figure it out, um, on the paperwork side. 
And then I started a website. I reached out to people that I knew personally and said, Hey, I'm going to start doing these trips. Do you want to come? Or do you know people who want to come? And then it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and initially I was based out of Sacramento and I would like travel from Sacramento to the destination, um, to guide a trip. And then it just became like, it didn't make sense to be flying that much. And I like Latin America every bit as much, if not more as California. So I just kind of gradually made the shift back into living here in Guatemala. Awesome. What do you, what do you, why Guatemala? And why Guatemala in the first place? Yeah. Uh, and the very first place, super random decision. Like I had a couple weeks off. Uh, I really wanted to go to Africa, but that just didn't make sense to go for 10 days. And it was not like financially in my reach when I was 19. And I just kind of picked Guatemala randomly. Uh, and it was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. I absolutely love this country. I love the people here. It has taught me so, so, so much. And uh, I met that guy, Carlos, and he he passed away, unfortunately, last year. Um, but he is really, like, the person who changed my life the most to date. He was so influential and opened up a door for me that I didn't even know I wanted to walk through. And now it's my whole life. Amazing. Um, when you're – just going back to, uh, you know, when you're setting this stuff up, how do you find – uh, like how did you forge these relationships? I know Carlos was obviously a big help, but how yeah, um, I think, I mean, the biggest thing is by traveling and meeting people and being really open and being very like authentic in your interactions with people. And, uh, I took a huge interest, not just in like traveling for my own self benefit and like to get cool pictures, which I do do that. But like, I truly wanted to meet people and I wanted to learn about their history and their culture. I went and got a master's degree in Spanish and Latin American studies. So then when I am interacting with somebody who I might want to do business with, it's not like I'm just some other random like gringa. Like I can be like, Hey, I really know this stuff about like your country. Like, can you tell me more? Like, is this true? Like, and then they're like, Oh shit. Like, can I swear? Can I swear? No. Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, this person actually cares like cool and then we become friends and like it's usually happens pretty quickly and some beer is usually involved and like it's very laid back and I just try to make organic relationships with people who I think are awesome and do cool stuff and then I'm like hey how can we both like do business together and that's usually how it works out and I've been so lucky that it's like always been really good <laughs> oh, that's really cool well Tell me about your tours, you know, how many people, how do they work? What is the kind Yeah, of definitely. So the minimum for our group tours is six and the max is 12. We don't want to have super big um, groups. We don't want to be on like a super big tour bus. Um, I mean, we do certain touristy things. Like if you come to Guatemala, like you want to go to see the Tikal Mayan ruins, right? You want to go to Lake Atitlan. Those are touristy spots, but they're worth seeing. Like they're popular for a reason. So we go to those places, but we try to go to them in a way that, A, isn't just a bunch of people showing up into this community and, like, being obnoxious. B, actually learning something about it, but having a good time and interacting with the people who are from there. Um, so a lot of the things that we do are similar to what you might do if you're traveling on your own or maybe even with other companies, but it's more the way in which we do it. And then obviously, like, over time, there is definitely some off-the-beaten-path stuff that, like, I've been fortunate to, like, learn about, like, insider stuff and then can take people into. Um, so, yeah, typically they're anywhere from a week to two-week-long trips. 
and uh, kind of a variety. There's history and culture. There's a lot of food, drinking, uh, art, and then outdoor adventure. So, you know, every itinerary is a little bit different. Each country has the things that make it unique. So we try to highlight that depending on the destination. Mm. Cool. Um, well, okay, so what does ethical travel mean? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to answer that question. But I think the number one thing is to ask yourself is when you're traveling, like, is this at least as much about the other people and places involved as it is about me, right? So if, if you want to travel, that's cool. If you want to go on vacation for like five days to Cabo with your cousins or whatever and like party it up, like, I'm not saying that that's bad or wrong, but that's you having a party in a different part of the world than where you normally live, right? But traveling like to another country, I feel like there comes a responsibility with that because it's a privilege. Like most people who get the opportunity to travel, it's because they were privileged enough to like be born into a situation where they eventually either had or came to have like access and tools and the resources to be able to travel. And so that comes in my opinion with a responsibility to make sure that like your presence in another country, especially in a developing nation, is not only like not destructive, but also like as a traveler, how can you maybe be, have a positive impact? And maybe that positive impact is just like you learning and becoming a more empathetic person. Or maybe it's you being like, I'm only gonna support small locally owned businesses while I travel instead of like big chains. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things. Ethical can be like human interactions or the way you interact with animals when you travel or the way that you interact with the environment. Like there's a, there's a, it's a huge umbrella term really. Mm, so it's like conscious travel. Yeah. I think that's probably even like a better way to describe it. Just like asking yourself because when we're traveling, like we're excited and we want to have a, a good time, which is totally fair. And so sometimes we get caught up in like our experience and like what we want and we don't necessarily think like, well, wait a minute, like what are the implications for the people who are basically allowing me to have this experience? Like how does this impact them? And then the environment and other things. Our, our biggest focus at Heart of Travel is, is people, uh, but obviously like, whenever we can be conscious of the environment as well and also animals. Like I see so many things in the tourism industry with animals that just make me want to pull my hair out. Like, like you don't need to hug a tiger. Like, <laughs> like no no 220 pound frat boy like needs to hug a tiger like why do you need to do that like it's it's not something that would happen in nature and it typically requires like the sedation of this wild animal for you to like take a picture and then put it on instagram i just feel like there's so much like more worthwhile stuff you could do while you're traveling so just kind of shifting that perspective a little bit yeah totally so what are some uh, authentic uh, experiences that you can do on your tours? That's a great question. So in every different, on all of our different tours, we try to a always work with like a small local tour operator in terms of people who provide our, our transportation. So like not contracting out a super big company, like trying to support a small like family owned business. And then if we're going to visit a, a particular site, like the Mayan ruins or a volcano or like something more specific, we want to hire a local guide because A, they're going to have more experience and knowledge than I'll have like if they're from there. And then we're directly supporting a member of the community from that we're visiting, right? Instead of like paying a foreigner 
like, and I get, like, it's ironic because I am a foreigner, like, trying to, like, put all these pieces together, but we try to, like, keep it at that and then have everybody else where you work with be local. Um, and one of my favorite things is we do family stays usually, like, not the whole time, but usually there's the opportunity to spend a night or two with the family and, like, be in their house and get to know them. And so then, like, you're directly supporting them by paying, like, for your food and your lodging. And you get to have this authentic, this more authentic and intimate experience with somebody from a different culture. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like, oh, Guatemala and Mexico, like, Spanish. Like, yeah, people speak Spanish. But in Guatemala alone, there's 22 other languages that people speak. Like, there's a whole other culture that, like, far predates Spanish culture. Um, and it's alive and well. Like, people have a tendency to about Mayan culture as if it's something in the past and like it's still alive today it's evolved right but like interacting with that and learning about that I just think it's really important yeah yeah totally cool um I guess the last question before we jump into the quick fire round you're quite young for you know someone who's running a business like this and um and there are certain types of people who can do that do you know what I mean so what uh you know, as an entrepreneur, like when we encounter problems, many, many people just like give up, you know, they're like, well, that's hard. Like right now people listening to this, like, wow, like you run a travel company. That sounds so like, there's a lot of people involved and there's lots of logistics. And like, how do you even, when you, so in, I guess from a mindset perspective, when you encounter problems, what is it that goes through your mind and how do you resolve? Yeah. Um, my reaction used to be like, oh god and then like cry for like a couple hours and then like ah. now I've learned that I, I have enough belief in myself and, and my capability to confront obstacles and I have enough belief in all the people that I work with that are involved in this that I know that we're like we're not gonna f up so catastrophically that like it's gonna be the end of the world and so anytime a problem does arise I try to just tell myself like this sounds so cliche, but like all is in right order. Like this is happening for a reason. Like you're going to learn something from this. And like you take a breath and you look at the situation objectively and you figure like, okay, what is the end result that I want to get out of this? Is it, I want the customer to be happy or whatever it is. And then it's like, all right, it's usually pretty clear what you have to do. It's just usually doing it like sometimes sucks you just got to do it and then and move on. And there, I've made mistakes, like for sure. I've definitely made mistakes. There's definitely things I could do better. Like, and I know all of that, but I also know that like every entrepreneur goes through this and I think always will. So I just came to accept like 350 days out of the year will be epic and 50 of them will be total shit storms. And like, that's fine. You wake up in the morning, you're like, Okay, what's it gonna be today? Yeah, and the first the first six months were super hard. Like, and I did think about quitting, and I did think about giving up, and I did cry at airports and be like, "What am I doing?" Um, and then I realized like, there's nobody else that really gives a shit. Like, even my parents like live their own life. Like, like nobody else really cares. Like, I just have to figure it out on my own. But then it was like kind of liberating because I'm like, okay, like. I don't have to ask someone else's like permission or approval as long as I'm not breaking major laws. Like I get to decide how I want to figure it out. And that's been pretty cool. That's awesome. And you said that you have confidence now. Like I, I totally 
know where you're coming from with all with all, all the stuff that you just said like if you can say it kind of again where did that confidence in, you know now you know that you can it's just gonna you'll make it happen like where how do you know that I mean, I think experience and time like teaches you, like you learn lessons as you get older, like you, you garner some wisdom in life. Um, no. Yeah, I, I went through like divorce and the death of my best friend and like some really crappy, crappy things in a short period of time. And then I had no choice but to continue, right? Because it wasn't like, you have no choice. You have to wake up in the morning and live your life, yeah. right? And then time goes by and I was like, you know what? I survived some really, really hard stuff and even got to a point where like I started thriving amidst all of this. Like at this point for me, I'm like, there are very few things that I could think of happening where I would truly just be like, I like, I can't think of anything that would really throw me. I don't know. Like it doesn't mean it's to be easy, but I just, if I'm not dead, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And like, I'm gonna go ahead. And so, I think that's true for everybody, right? Like, it's so cliche, but like, what does not kill you will make you stronger. Sometimes it's hard to see when and how, but like, it, it does. Mm -hmm. No, great, great answer. I totally hear you. Like, that's something that um, I often talk about uh, in the podcast in various, various places is like, when you have been at rock bottom, like, I remember sitting in the dirt in Cambodia, like homeless, like in a Cambodian village, like, it was really bad. And I'm like sitting in the dirt and there's a cow resting its head on my shoulder or on my, my leg. And I'm like patting this cow and I'm like, you know what? I don't think this could get much worse. And it's not that bad. Like <laughs> I'm here and I'm not dead. Like this is really bad, but I can only go up, you know, like, and so every time that I am like, oh, this is so terrible. I'm like, you know, it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah, I know that I can bounce back from like this, these situations. Yeah. And it's not to say that people like us like can't have experience like hardship or bad days, like totally can. But I do try to put things in perspective and think like, shit, like my biggest problem in life, probably like it honestly get pales in comparisons to some of the problems that people in other parts of the world like confront on a daily basis. And like, I see them hustling and like making the best out of their situations. And some of them like getting ahead in life. And I'm like, all right, like if I've been given all of this access and privilege and tools, like I need to do something good with it. Otherwise it's just like, it's a slap in the face to like the divine powers that be. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, um, should we, should we move on to the quick fire round? Are you ready? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, great. Um, so just say like the first thing that comes into your head and it doesn't have to be a really short answer but whatever. Um, okay, so what's the best book that you have read or your favorite genre if you can't think of one book? It's called Rebirth and then there's something more to it by Kamal Ravikant. It's about this guy's experience on the Camino de Santiago. It's awesome. Oh, nice. Good answer. Um, do you collect anything? Mm, no, actually. <laughs> Lovers. Lovers. <laughs> best answer ever. Um, what would you consider to be your life's mission? To connect people. I like it. Yeah. What would you say is the best, uh, this is so, this is so, it's just thinly veiled, like me asking you, how do you, like, what do you consider the best way to learn Spanish? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. 
think you need a mixture of some structured classroom time with a real world experience, be it a job in Spanish or a boyfriend in Spanish or a whatever, but like that combination, I did a lot of both and it really helped. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to ask you about a time when you struggled. I think, I don't know if we've already covered that. Is there a, a, a I'm sure there are a lot, but one time when you literally were like, I'm going to give up and then decided to keep going. Yeah. Um, I was guiding a tour. It was the first ever tour for my company. I had 14 people in Guatemala with me. I was so stoked. I was on the east side of Guatemala and uh, I was living at my buddy Carlos's house at the time. I had seen him the day prior and I, it was like midnight and I got this Facebook message from an acquaintance and she tells me Carlos died. And I said, no way. And so then the calls start coming in from close friends and I had to basically, I didn't sleep that whole night and I had to go out the next morning and continue guiding for two more days on the east side of the country before I could get back to the city that Carlos and I lived in. And like I had to guide a trip with 14 people and deal with like the loss of my best friend and also like the vans we were using were his, like it was like a joint thing. It was just like a disaster. And the whole week afterwards, I just thought like, I just started this business and Carlos died. I should just quit and go home and like be done. Um, that was, that's the hardest moment I've had to have in my, I've in front of my entire life. Wow. But I survived. <laughs> and like not wanting to fail in his eyes is a really, really good reason to get out of bed in the morning. What advice do you have for someone who is uh, thinking about embarking on their own adventure and doing, you know, like building something that looks, you know, from, from right now, it looks really far away. You know, it looks it's scary and you know, there's going to be all these things on the way, um, but they want to, they want to make something and do something big like you've done. What's your, uh, what's your advice to that person? Two things. First thing, get really, really clear on what it is you want to do and why. Because if you don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it, it will be very easy to get taken off your path. So, like, be really clear about that. And then number two, like, don't give a shit what other people think about you. And it's really easy to not care when you realize that people don't really care. Right? Like, like people don't care about us nearly as much as we care about ourselves. That's just the way the world works. So like who cares what Sally Sue has to say about you? Like it doesn't matter, right? She doesn't really care anyway. So like, don't worry about what other people think of you. Just like follow your heart. And if you like are well-intentioned on your path, it will all unfold. Great advice. Um, Chelsea, where can people find you on the internet? They can find us at www.theheartoftravel.org. And then my favorite social media platform is Instagram. So that's heart underscore of underscore travel. And then my personal account, which is more like inspiration and entrepreneur kind of stuff, is just chels underscore glass. Wicked. Uh, we will have the we'll have those links in the show notes, you guys. If you go to visualnomad.me, they'll be there. Um, Chelsea, you're amazing. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it.
Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.